1: This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim jumps into Mark chapter 9. Jesus is alone now with the 12 disciples, continuing to instruct them. And here we encounter an incredible scene, the transfiguration of Jesus before three of the disciples who witnessed Jesus in his divine glory and an affirming audible word from God the Father out of heaven. They got a glimpse of the kingdom to come, and the response was, they were terrified at the glimpse of glory and power that they witnessed. Jesus' statement just before this occurrence in Scripture has caused some confusion, but when grasped in the context of the transformation, not as confusing as it may at first appear. Pastor Jim will explain all week. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, This is My Beloved Son. It
0: says, You're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. To which the disciples didn't nod their head and say, Ah, yes. They said something more like, What do he say? What do you mean, my church? We're looking for the kingdom, the one that's promised to Israel. So even though Matthew is the only one that records it because it was so significant to Israel, that's what Jesus had been telling them. And then he gave that very powerful call to be willing to die, if necessary, for the sake of following him. Now, he's been speaking suddenly as if all of these things about the glory and the kingdom and that are, are far off. Now, if you were a disciple then and there, you would have had questions, legitimate questions. They knew the Scriptures... They only had what we called the Old Testament, but they knew about a kingdom that was to come, so they would have had a question like, what about all the, we call it Old Testament, what about all the biblical promises of a kingdom on earth? You're the king. You're saying you're going to die. So the next question is, how can it be there's going to be a kingdom if the king is going to die? We don't get it. And then they might be asking, are God's promises to Israel nullified? Now all of a sudden you've been dragging us around through Gentile territory and preaching the same message and doing the same kinds of miracles with Gentiles? What's going on here, Lord? And it's at this point that Jesus does something spectacular to make it clear that this all ties together. Those Scriptural promises of a Messiah, a Savior, a King who will reign on earth, the promise of judgment on the enemies of God and the reward of, of all those who serve Him, and the death of the King, it all fits together. And He wants you to know, just as He wanted those first century disciples to know, that this new thing called My Church and all that parabolic teaching about the, the long time until the glory that in no way nullifies the promises already revealed up to that point in time. The kingdom will come. Jesus is the king. He will reign. Justice will be done. Judgment will be meted out properly to all who deserve it. So he's about to give a, a, a sneak preview to this select few. He wants you to know He knows the end from the beginning because He was there in the beginning, and He scripted it all to the end. So the plan is set. Now we're ready to see that the veil is lifted. It's verses 2 through 8, It's the famous incident called the transfiguration Let me read it all to you. John or Mark, rather, chapter nine, verses two through eight. Six days later, so we know they stayed there at least another week. Essentially, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. He just took those three, nobody else, and he was transfigured before them and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them, along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles for you. A little tents or shelters. Let us make three tabernacles for you, or make one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, <laughs> for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. You know, they had heard that before. This is my beloved son. When did they hear that? At his baptism. Young man, Jesus, coming up out of the water and they hear that voice. Now they see him in dazzling, brilliant glory. Same voice. Same Jesus. Same message. This is my beloved son. So, um, let's talk about this a little bit. First of all, This is one of those places where you might someday, if you engage with an unbeliever, somebody might try to pin a contradiction on the Bible here. There's this alleged contradiction because Matthew and Mark say six days later and Luke says some eight days later. Now the reason is Luke included the day that the promise was made and the day of the transfiguration. And there was six days in between. There's no contradiction. They, they, they mean exactly the same thing. They're, they're, they're both correct. It just depends on, on how you count. And by the way, that's how hard it is to answer most people's accusations of all the contradictions in the Bible. You've probably heard me say it before. If anybody says they, they can't believe because of all the contradictions in the Bible, they say, how many have you been studying? Let's talk about them. And most of the time, that will end the conversation. But if, if they really are hung up on something, don't worry about that, because even if you don't know the answer right away, you can get the answer, and it's usually about as hard as what the one is that we just resolved. So he's got Peter, James, and John, the inner circle of the three. It says they go up to a, a, a high mountain. Well, it had to be somewhere in the vicinity of Caesarea Philippi. If you were at the Sea of Galilee, where... Uh, Jesus had spent most of that time in and around Capernaum. Uh, You were below sea level there. Then you would go up into the mountains, up to the north, and about 25 miles north you'd come to uh, Caesarea Philippi in what we would call foothills. And then if you continued working your way further and further up in elevation, eventually you'd get to Mount Hermon, which is 9,000 feet above sea level. Now, We don't necessarily think that they summited Mount Hermon, but they went up into the mountains, out of everybody's sight, far away from everybody. They were very alone. text doesn't say exactly where it was, so it really uh, doesn't matter. It could be any place between Caesarea Philippi and Mount Hermon. Uh, Matthew tells us, and Mark tells us, that they went by themselves. Luke adds that they went there, and Jesus said it's to pray. It was quite normal for Jesus to pray alone. And sometimes He would take His men with Him and ask them to wait while He prayed. This day He took only the big three. Um, we learn from Luke 9.32, something that we will see later as well, that the disciples couldn't stay awake all the time that Jesus prayed. Did, did He pray all night again? We, we don't know, but he, he was praying. But what happened as Jesus was praying, not only woke them up, it got their full, undivided attention. He was transfigured before them. The word that's translated transfigured is a Greek word that you will recognize. It's metamorpho. We get metamorphosis from it. It means changed into a different form. I said the veil was pulled back. It's like God, took the, God the Father took the, the fleshly veil of Jesus and pulled it back for a little bit and let him get a glimpse of the glory of this one who had humbled himself, taking on the form of a man. The form he was changed into was glory. And it's portrayed as astounding light. I, I could stand up here and babble for a long time to try to explain it, but the truth is only three people in history have ever seen it, and we've got their record in the Gospels and in Second uh, Peter. So just take it for what it says. Uh, Peter's later description of it is in Second Peter chapter 1, and he's saying this in talking about the reliability of the Word of God. He says, "...for we did not follow cleverly devised tales." We didn't make this up. We're not, we're not blowing smoke. We're not kidding you. These aren't myths. We did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. So he's talking about the second coming here. We know this is coming. But we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. So here he's tying in the transfiguration with what it's going to be like when Jesus comes in glory. For when he received honor and glory from the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain.